This morning I'm going to talk on this, the subject of the river of God. The river of God. And in Revelation chapter 22, the last book of the Bible, the last chapter, in the, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, it begins that last chapter in the word of God. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. And it was a pure river, the river of God, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for healings of the nation. And... These, these two verses, they're speaking in the context of, you know, the new heaven and the new earth, probably the new earth. And we know that when Jesus comes back again, there is a millennium, which means a thousand, one thousand years reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. And then after that, this earth will be dissolved and there's going to be, the Bible says in, in, in Isaiah and in Revelation, spoken by Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and the prophet John. It speaks about a new heaven, a new earth and new heavens. A new earth and new heavens. And that scripture about this pure river of water flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb is speaking of, you know, after the millennium in the, in the, in the new earth. And there's the river, that clear, clear water of life, clear as crystal, right from the, the very presence, the very throne of God. Now in Ezekiel 47, we see another river, another river, another river of God. And in the first two verses of Ezekiel 47, it tells us, Afterwards he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued from under the threshold of the house eastward. Now, what does this house mean? The house he's talking about there is the, is the temple, which has never been built, and it will be built in the millennium. And in the book of Ezekiel, there's about eight chapters from Ezekiel 40, pretty much to the end of that book 48 and those chapters are devo devoted to this temple and, and Ezekiel in, in, inspired by the Holy Spirit gives many um, many details of the measurements the length the breadth and the height of various things in the temple much detail and uh, of how this temple is to be built this temple has never yet been built but it will be built and you know, after Jesus comes back again the second time, it's going to take some seven years to, you know, all the weapons of war, to turn them into agricultural instruments. But about the seventh year of the millennium, it will start, and it will probably take about seven years, same as Solomon's temple. It took about seven years to build. And so and so about the 14th year of the millennium, if they, if they start in the seventh year, it will be completed. And... In Ezekiel 47, he prophesies. Ezekiel prophesies. Ezekiel sees into the future what's going what's to happen. And 
And then in verse, in verse 1, For the forefront of the house stood towards the east, and the waters came down from the right side of the house at the, at the south side of the altar. And then he brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looks eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. So from this temple in the millennium, from, the, from that temple, from the threshold of that temple, waters are going to flow out. And waters are going to come. Supernaturally, they'll come up, come up from the ground, and they'll begin to flow out, and they will flow from the temple in an easterly direction. And it says there, at the end of it, they ran out on the right side, and it was, it was towards the east. In other words, Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level. And if Jerusalem is there, and if sea level is about the, it's about the height above sea level, but these waters, they go down, and they keep, keep going east, and they come right down, to, the, to the, the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, it is the lowest part on earth today. It is some 1,300 feet below sea level. So that, that, that river, it begins in the temple in Jerusalem, the threshold of the temple, and the waters flow in an eastward direct, direction to, from 2,500 feet above sea level right down to a, over 1,300 feet below sea level, Two and a half, that's three and a half, over three and a half thousand feet uh, difference, and they go into the, the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, which is like its name, it's, it's a Dead Sea. There's so many minerals in there, the fish cannot survive. There's no fish swimming around in the, in the Dead Sea, like there are, you know, a number of miles north in the Sea of Galilee. But so the context of this river, this river of God, is in the millennium in Ezekiel 47, and it 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 will it'll it'll begin to flow after the after the, the temple has been built. And the water starts at the threshold of the temple, you know, from the from from the temple area, from the very presence of the living God. Now Jesus spoke about a river, and he spoke about the river of God, and he spoke about that river flowing out from our hearts. And it was on the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, as in John's Gospel, chapter 7, and in verse 2, it tells us that the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And we know that that is the greatest feast in the Jewish year. It does not last just one day, like the Feast of Pentecost, but it lasts seven full days. And Jesus stood up. Jesus came to Jerusalem. This is about six months before he went to the cross. It was at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, and he was there in Jerusalem, and he stood up on that last day of the feast, and he shouted out, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And then it tells us that he spoke of the Holy Spirit. And at that time, he had not yet died, and the day of Pentecost had not yet come. He spoke of the Holy Spirit, had not yet come. 
So that verse, it was fulfilled in a measure. That, that, that happened. Those, those, that, John 7.37, it happened about six months at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, about six months before the crucifixion of Jesus. And he spoke about rivers of water coming out from our innermost being. Rivers of living water. And it said that he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Now we know 50 days after the, resur- after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell. And so in John 7.37, part of the fulfillment was about six months later when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. But in John's Gospel, chapter 7, it's not talking about the Feast of Pentecost. It's talking about the Feast of, pa- of Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. So that was a partial fulfillment on the Feast of Pentecost. But the main fulfillment of that scripture, the main fulfillment is at the Feast of Tabernacles, speaking of the last day revival that we are about to enter in and which God is preparing us for. And so the main fulfillment is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is great revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days. And those words, it was in the last day of the feast. And the feast lasted seven seven days. The last day was the, the, the final day. And the important truth applies more to the last day outpouring than the spiritual celebration. During the the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, it applies more to that than to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So in the last days, rivers of living water will flow out from the church. And this wonderful river of life will flow from the temple in Jerusalem during the millennium. And great multitudes will receive life and healing and blessing during the Feast of Tabernacles in the last days of the church age. And that river, the river of God, it'll start in Jerusalem and it'll get deeper and deeper and deeper and then it will go right down and then it will start small, then it will become a mighty river and it will be going down, right down to the Dead Sea. But when it hits the Dead Sea, that Dead Sea will no longer be a Dead Sea, but it will become full of life and a miracle will happen. And we read in Ezekiel 47 and verse 9, and it shall come to pass that everything that lives, which moves, wherever the river shall come, shall live. You know, nothing, nothing now, nothing lives. It's, it's a sea, but there's no fish in the sea. There's no life in the sea. Fish don't live in the sea. But it tells us in verse 9 that there shall be a very great multitude of fish. Not just a multitude of fish, not just a great multitude of fish, but a very great multitude of fish. Because these waters shall come hither, thither, for they shall be healed and everything shall live wherever the river comes. And so, you know, that river, and God wants a river to flow from our innermost being. It wants to to flow out from us and to bring life and to bring blessing. And this verse, in verse 9, it speaks of the 
It speaks of life. It speaks of a, a great multitude. That great multitude of fish, that speaks of a great multitude of souls and a great harvest that will be gathered in in the last days. A great multitude of, of, of souls. And also in that verse, verse 9, it speaks there about healing. For they shall be healed and everything shall live whereby the river comes. So life, the life of God, a great multitude of fish, which speaks of a great multitude of souls coming in, and it speaks of healing. You know, natural healing, spiritual healing. Now, in that last day of the feast, when Jesus spoke those words in John 7, 37, you know, people in the time of Jesus, they thought, that Herod's temple, that was the temple in the time of Jesus. It was Herod's temple. And they thought that Herod's temple was the fulfillment of the temple which Ezekiel saw, which is, which is not true at all. And they were trying to bring to pass what Ezekiel saw. You know, a river coming out from the temple. So they were sort of trying to fulfill this. And so the custom that they had is the, preach, the priest, they marched in solemn procession. They marched, you know, in going south a little bit in Jerusalem, the southern part of Jerusalem, to the pool of Siloam. And there, there they filled their water vases, vases we say vases, Americans say vases. They, they filled their water vases with water, and then in solemn procession, they would return to the temple. And then what they would do is then they'd have a vase or a bucket and they'd pour that bucket of water, that vase of water, down the stairs. And the, and the, 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 stair would just, the water would just sort of trickle slowly you know, down the, the steps or the stairs of the, of the temple. And, and then they would say that. They would say, well, this is the fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision. And, you know, that's... That's was, that was just too much for Jesus. So Jesus stood up at that moment and he cried out, you know, if anyone thirst, let him come to me. And he said, not just trickles of water coming out, but he said, rivers of living water shall flow out from within. And, you know, Jesus spoke those words, remember, not at the Feast of Pentecost, but John 7, verse 2, it tells us that he spoke them at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Pentecost typifies the early church, and the Feast of Tabernacles is a type of the church in the last days, some 2,000 years between them. And therefore, what Jesus says here must have a spiritual fulfillment in the church of the last days. Otherwise, these spiritual scriptural types would not make sense. In Sunday school this morning, you know, Pastor Stephen was talking about types and typology. And, you know, Melchizedek, we looked at Melchizedek, he was a type of type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these spiritual types, you know, otherwise they would not they would not make sense. So in the last days there will be tremendous revival as the church experiences the feast of tabernacles and the river of God flows out of the midst of the church. And this will be the spiritual fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision. And the natural fulfillment will take place in the millennium after the Lord returns. So there's a fulfillment, a double fulfillment, 
There's a fulfillment amongst the church in the last days, speaking of that river of God and, and revival and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then there's a fulfillment which will take place, you know, especially amongst the Jews, you know, during the time of the millennium after the Lord returns. And rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit will flow out of the belly of believers. And these spiritual rivers will bring conviction of sin, will bring salvation, will, will bring healing to the multitudes you know, in these last days. So this, in, in, in Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel 47, and this river which begins at the temple, Ezekiel's temple, built at the beginning of the millennium. And it, the river begins from the threshold of the temple and it goes in an eastern direction towards the Dead Sea, and so as, which is in the easterly direction. And as it flows towards the east, it is measured in units of a 1,000 cubits. Now, one cubit is about 18 inches. So a 1,000 cubits is about 1,500 feet. And so it starts very shallow, very shallow. And then we see, in verse, end of verse 2, it looks eastward, and there ran out waters on the right side. And then there was this man, and this man had a measuring, a measuring rod, a measuring line in his hand, and he went eastward, and he measured. He measured from the temple. He measured a 1,000 cubits, and at the, from the temple, he measured 1,000 cubits, and there, at the end of that 1,000 cubits, approximately 1,500 feet, there was a measurement. And, and, and it says there in verse 3, the water was up to the ankles. The water was up to the ankles. And as this man measured further, and the river got deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, the first waters, the waters up to the ankles. The waters up to the ankles. From the temple, going east towards, towards the Dead Sea, it is measured in units of this 1,000 cubits. And after 1,000 cubits, the measure of water was still pretty low. It was just from, the, from ground level. The water was up just a little bit, just to the ankles. And this can represent salvation, the feast of Passover. And when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, you know, he spoke about water. He spoke about living water. And water is one of the types, one of the symbols, one of the types of the Holy Spirit. Fire is a type. Oil is a type. But water is also a type. Water speaks of life. It speaks of life and refreshing. And, you know, Jesus said to that woman at the well in Samaria, he said, you know, if you drink of this water from the well, Jacob's well, you'll get thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that I give, you won't get thirsty again. But this water shall be like a well of life, bubbling up, springing up unto everlasting life, unto everlasting life. And that well, you know, that well of salvation, God wants it to bubble up, bubble up in our hearts, in our lives. You know, sometimes it's bubbling for a while and, and then 
You know, if, if you get a few rocks, throw it into a spring, and that it can it can block it up. And you know, if we have when we sin, it's like getting that 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 bubbling water gets blocked up. We need to we need to acknowledge it, to confess it, to put it right, to go on, so that that our well is free, so it can be bubbling, so it can be, you know, uh, springing up unto eternal life. Isaiah 12 and verse 3 speaks about, you know, the, the world, about being joyful, the, being joyful even at the wells of salvation, the well of salvation. And, and praise the Lord for salvation. That's wonderful. But that's, that's still just like water to the ankles, water to the ankles. And, you know, we must go on. We must go deeper into the water of God's spirit. And in the next verse, verse 4, and he measured a thousand, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. The waters were to the knees. And the knees, that can represent the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Feast of Pentecost. That man with the measuring line, he measured another thousand, another thousand. And when the, uh, that second thousand, then the waters had come higher. They'd come higher up. They were not just the ankles, but they're right up to the knees. And they'd come higher as he went deeper. And so the baptism of the Spirit is a, is a necessary experience if we're going to progress in the things of the Spirit, if we're going to progress deeper into the river of God, if we're going to go on towards spiritual Mount Zion. And... So that's a very important experience in our Christian life. And in the New Testament, often people had that experience shortly after they were saved. And in fact, on the day of Pentecost, when the people cried out, what shall we do? Peter, Peter replied, and he said, you know, repent of your sins, get baptized in water. And he said, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking about the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so that's like water to the water to the knees. And speaking in tongues, that is that is like the initial evidence that a person has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts 10 and Acts 19. And this is an important experience if we're going to progress and if we're going to go on for the Lord. Does not mean you have to be baptized in the Spirit to be saved. We're saved by faith in the blood of Christ, not by works or anything we do. But if we're going to progress, if we're going to go deeper into the river of God, you know, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And also there's the thought of not just the initial experience, but maintaining that, keeping on by the grace of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And to use our spiritual language, to, to, to speak in tongues. Often, you know, we have a you know, we hear someone or we hear a sermon or we read a book or something and we're stirred up for a time and then we, and we pray, pray, we're praying in tongues and then we sort of let it slip. But let's, by the grace of God, be stirred up and keep on being stirred up as we pray in other tongues. And I, and I think a lot of people, they, they don't continue to pray often in tongues because they think, well, they don't understand the words and they kind of, you know, listen to the voice of the enemy, that the enemy comes, you know, just 
you know, it's it's no value. It's it's just gibberish. It's just you making it up. It's there's no benefit. Why bother doing it? And many people they're slack in speaking in other tongues. But I want to encourage you this morning, and to to use use what. As we use God, what God gives us, God gives us more and will take us deeper into the river of God. And so use that spiritual language. Pray every day in the spirit. Pray every day in, in other tongues. And it is one of, the, one of the things that will build us up, which will strengthen us, which will edify us, which will help us to go on for God and to go deeper into the river of God. In fact, in fact, as we pray in tongues, we should remember that 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2 tells us that when we pray in tongues, we're not talking to men, but we're talking to the Lord. We're talking directly to the Lord. He that prays in tongues speaketh not unto men, but unto God. And people can say what they like, but the Bible says when we pray in tongues, we're speaking to the Lord. We're, 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 we're speaking to the Lord, we're, we're, we're praying unto, unto him, and we're praying in the will of God. Sometimes when we pray in English or in Spanish, you know, we, our prayers can become, you know, self-centered and me, me, me. Um, but we know that when we pray in tongues, in the spirit, we're praying in the will of God. So praying in tongues, we're talking to God. And also, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4 Paul said, when we pray in tongues, he that prays in tongues builds himself up, edifies himself, strengthens him. Not, not the physical, but the spiritual. When we pray in tongues, we are built up spiritually. We're built up. We're strengthened in the spirit. We're strengthened in the spirit. And I encourage you, I encourage you, make it, if, you don't, if you're not in a habit of doing it regularly, you know, make, make it time. Even if it starts off five minutes a day, then maybe ten minutes a day and, and, and longer. I probably pray more in tongues than I than I do in English because I know that it helps me, it edifies me, it strengthens me. And to that's the thought of the meaning of edify, to build up, to strengthen. And that's what Jude says, that little little one one chapter book of the Bible before Revelation. And it says, building up yourselves. In your most holy faith. How do we build up ourselves? Well, one way of building up our spirit, which is the most important part of us, one, one important way is by praying in the spirit, which is praying in other tongues, praying in other tongues. And so waters up to the ankles. Then as the river flowed out east in the easterly direction, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And then there was water, which was up to the loins, up to the loins. And this was after another 1,000 cubits, another 1,500 feet. And the loins, the, the, the loins or the waist, that area, it speaks of strength. Isaiah 40 and verse 31, those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. And as we wait upon God and wait for God, you know, something is happening. It's not wasted time. We're renewing our strength. We will mount up with wings as eagles. We'll run and not be weary. We'll walk and not faint. And so the loins also, the, the waist area, is the area of the, you know, reproductive organs. 
And it can, all, can, can also speak to us of fruitfulness, fruitfulness. And we want to be a fruit. We want to be those who win souls to the Lord and lead people to Christ. And, you know, as we go deeper in the, in the river of God, you know, God wants to stir our hearts in evangelism, reaching out to people, reaching out to the lost, and, you know, and, and also being fruitful, having the, the, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit developed and growing uh, in our lives, a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of souls and, you know, the fruit of the Spirit being worked out in our lives. And then finally in verse 5, it says that the, the man with the measuring line, he measures another 1,000 cubits. And then the water is getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And you can't stand there. You can't stand. And it's eventually, it's, it's water to swim in, water to swim in. Feet are off the ground. And we're, we're taken over, you know, by the power of God. So the loins, the loins, it speaks there of fruitfulness. It speaks of strength. But then waters to swim in, in Ezekiel 47. By now, this river, this river of God, it is flowing. It's getting faster. It's getting deeper. And it's heading down towards the Dead Sea. And then in verse 5, it says that these waters to swim in, waters to swim in. Feet are off the ground. We're totally immersed in the purposes of God and totally committed to the move of God. You know, the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, he is the one. He is our inheritance. Water to swim in are those you know, who allow the water. They allow the water to carry them. They allow the water to hold them up. They've entered into the rest of God. And they're like, like fathers and mothers in Christ. They have entered into the abundance of the blessing of the Lord. You know, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Have life and have it more abundantly. And this is like being right in the presence of God and being, being totally surrounded, being totally enveloped in his presence. So... It's a miracle that the overall length of that river, you know, as it goes from the temple in Jerusalem, it goes a thousand cubits and then water to the ankles, another thousand cubits, another 1500 feet, and there's water to the knees, another thousand feet, another, another thousand cubits, and it's water to the loins, and then another thousand feet, and you can't stand. It's waters to swim in. And so, only 600, only 6,000 feet from the temple in Jerusalem going east, it's, that's just over a mile. And over, it's only a, a mile or so from its source. And already it is waters to, to swim in. So it's going to be a mighty river. It's going to be a mighty river. It's going to be a deep river. It's going to be a pure river. It's going to, it's going to be a flowing river and going down to the Red Sea. And, and verse, verse 7 of, of chapter 47 says there's trees, the trees on either side of the river. And those trees are a symbol of the righteous who are thriving by the waters of life. And that river will flow down to the Dead Sea. And that Dead Sea, like its name, it's a Dead Sea. Nothing lives in it. But everything's going to change. It's going to be 
it's going to be a, a, a tree of life, a tree of life and, and of tremendous blessing. And verse 9, which we've read before, we'll read again. And it came to pass that everything that lives, which moves, wherever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish. And that'll be true in the natural. There'll be all kinds of fish in the Dead Sea, like there are already in the Sea of Galilee. But it's also true in the spiritual. You know, a great, a very great multitude of people will be swept in to the kingdom of God. And the waters will come hither, and they shall be healed, and everything shall live where the spirit, where the river comes. You know, life is in the, in the Dead Sea, the life of the Spirit of God. There's a great multitude of fish, multitude of souls. Great healings will take place. As we close this morning, where are you in the river of God? How deep have you gone in the river of God? Are the waters up to your ankles? Are they higher? Are they halfway up to the knees? Are they up to the knees? Are they higher? Are they up to the thighs or the, the waist area? And then going higher, 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 and waters to swim in, immersed in the very presence of the living God. We're going to just sing a chorus now after the musician, musicians come. And if your desire, if your desire is to go deeper in the river of God and you just want just a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, just a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you'd like to, I just encourage you to come forward. We're just going to just simply just lay hands and look to the Lord, believe God, just for a a fresh touch of God's Spirit. You know, it's one thing to be baptized in the Spirit, but the Bible says keep on. Paul says keep on being filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. It's in the present continuous tense. You're filled with the Spirit, and then you keep on, and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so let's stand, shall we, as we sing. And then if you just like, you want to go deeper, and you're just wanting a fresh touch of the Spirit in your life, I just encourage you to stand in a line in the front, and we're going to pray.